Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. This episode is for those of you who have people in your life who don't understand why you are still struggling with the death of your child. I personally had someone tell me I needed to just move on. Hurt, angry, betrayed, it causes all kinds of deep emotions that we just don't need when someone says something like that to us on top of grieving our child. I have five suggestions on how to help yourself handle these kinds of remarks. But before I share the list, let me start out by telling you to stop feeling like you owe them an explanation in the way of excuses, as if you have some kind of disease. This is something that you need to do for your own well-being, not in an angry, bitter way, but as something you must peacefully resolve within yourself. They are not going to understand. How could they? I know I sure didn't until I was on this side of things. I know we would like to think that at least they could be a little more sensitive, but with some people that just isn't going to happen. So let's get started with five things that I hope will help with the struggle we all seem to have for many years, possibly even off and on for the rest of our lives after the death of our child. Number one, know that it's okay to be real and lean into your pain when it grips you unexpectedly. As I see it, you have three options. One is to fight it, which is usually obvious and awkward for everyone around. Two, excuse yourself and leave, either for a few moments to compose yourself or for the rest of the event of what was going on that you were there for. Or option three, stay put and let those around you know that you are allowing them into a sacred and vulnerable moment and the sacred space of missing your child. There is no one right option. Each time will probably need to be different, and only you can determine which one is right for you at that moment. Just don't be afraid to go for that third option because it might surprise you how supportive and caring someone might be, and you will have the blessing of having people allow you to share your child with them. Number two, Remind yourself that the death of a child is considered traumatic grief, and anything under five years is considered fresh grief. It is normal to not be okay for the rest of your life. A part of your very being has been severed from you. You will get to the point where you learn how to live with that part of you missing, but there are going to be constant reminders and limitations in your day-to-day life. Most people seem to understand that if a person has an amputation, like our daughter Becca had her leg amputated when she was three years old because she had bone cancer, we seem to understand that when someone has an amputation, they'll never be the same as they were before that limb was cut off from them. Well, we've gone through an amputation with the death of our child. Our child has been cut off from us. A part of our very being has been severed from us. But for some reason, those who have never faced the suffocating darkness of child loss don't seem to understand that life for us will never be the same, just like an amputee. Number three, feed your spirit and your soul. I'm going to be on this one for a little while because there are so many ways of doing that. And two of them are through music and reading. 
Now, God created music to be a pathway to the soul. What we choose to listen to will affect our emotions and will either keep us in that place of deep grief and darkness or will help us see a glimmer of light and hope to take a step forward. I've made several lists of music on YouTube, and when I find a song that makes me hopeful, I add it to my hope list. So these songs I'll play when I'm struggling with that hopeless feeling. I have a peace list, and I have a list of songs that allow me to miss Becca. I have a list of just instrumental music, and so on. I highly recommend that you do the same thing. Maybe have a list called Can't Sleep with Music. Uh, that helps you relax and go to sleep, or maybe people you like to hear teach that will help you drift off to sleep. And you can play that at night when you need it. There is no right or wrong music, as long as it helps you take the steps needed for that moment with that struggle. Now, as far as reading, maybe you aren't a reader by nature, but reading really is a great way to meet other bereaved parents who will confirm that you aren't going crazy, that still being a mess is normal for someone who's lost a child, and that all of those things that you're being accused of by the well-meaning people around you just aren't true. When Becca first died, I was really hesitant to connect with others who were a mess like me. I thought it would make me feel worse. And unfortunately, there were some that I talked to who were stuck and told me I would always be a mess. And there were books I read that came across as though my life would never be worth living again. But I refused to believe those things. And I kept looking for authors who would give me hope. And it turned out they are out there. And there are getting to be more and more books that do give hope into our lives that speak into us the way we need. And now I'm one of them. I'm one of those authors writing books to offer hope to other grieving parents who are looking for it while still acknowledging the suffocating darkness that comes with the death of a child. I hope you believe that it's a blessing and a relief to know that there are bereaved parents who want to connect with you, who have poured their heart and soul and tons of hours into writing books just for you. I have a shelf full of these books, and I plan on doing a podcast in a few weeks on some of the books that I personally recommend. Other ways to feed your soul and spirit are being out in nature. That is a gift from God that has a way of soothing our soul and feeding our spirits. How about journaling or coloring? Both of those are highly recommended by grief counselors, and many parents do find this to be a big help. Now, if you've never journaled, I know a lot of people, it's like, yeah, I keep hearing I'm supposed to journal, but I don't know what to write. Well, there is a book called My Grief Journey, a coloring book and journal for grieving parents. And this book has 40, 40 some words. This is actually a book I wrote and put together. I should know how many words, right? But I always forget. I'm not a numbers person, okay? So it has, I think it's 42 words that have to do with grief. I mean, it's like hope and family and fear and just all kinds of words, the good, the bad, the ugly, heaven tears, healing. Each page has a picture to color if you want to. It has a reading on the other side, just a little something about that word. And then there's a journaling prompt. And that's where the journaling comes in because it will help you get started. It will give you a thought and you can finish that thought 
like for fear, a fear that I have now, and you can write what that is. Heaven, what heaven, how I picture my child in heaven is just different thing. Time, time means something different to me now, I think is that one. But anyway, you get the idea. So you can look for this book on Amazon or wherever books are sold, order it, take a look at it. And I'll also put a link to it in the show notes where you can go to a, a web page that will describe it also if you're interested. Another thing to help us with our soul and spirit is spending time closed in with God. And that is one that helped me the most personally. And I know that so many of you struggle with this one because of how angry you are at God. And I get it. I really do. But the bottom line is he is the source of peace. And until we're able to turn to him instead of away from him, even in our anger, the constant peace that we're longing for is going to elude us. And if it helps at all, peace doesn't always mean the absence of pain. That's one thing that I have learned is that peace and pain can live inside of me together. The way I have come to realize how that can happen, because it doesn't make sense in our heads, is that peace is something that comes to our spirit. Our spirit can live in peace, but the pain is happening in our soul. So we can actually have peace and pain inside of us at the same time. Let's go on to number four. Release the guilt of not attending functions that are too difficult, no matter how long the loss has been. There are going to be times when going to a joyful or celebration event is going to feel like a slap in the face reminder that your child's not here, that he or she will not be part of something they should have been right in the middle of. And this is going to continue for many years, really, the rest of our lives. Times like graduations, showers, weddings, a birth that would have maybe made your child an aunt or an uncle. So many of these bittersweet days that we have now. And once again, there are a couple of options here. I have found instead of making my absence about me, if I can't, if I just feel like I just can't go to that, I let those hosting and attending know that my absence is about them because I don't want to dampen what the mood of what's going on there or possibly feel like the celebration has been ruined for them because I'm still so deeply missing my child and I love my child so much. I don't want that to come out in a way that's going to bring things down. And so it really is more about them than it is me. If you can explain it in that kind of a way. The other option I have found that seems to surprise people is to ask if there's a way that your child can be included in what's going on. And what I mean by that is like maybe depending on the event or what's happening, can a toast be made to your child, maybe possibly to others who have passed on and are missed? Can there be a photograph placed somewhere? How about a book set on a table where those who are attending can write a memory or a note to your child, letting him or her know how much he or she is missed? And yes, there will probably be some moments of tears but doing something like this can give a sense of relief as it gives you the needed grace and permission to miss your child. 
When I know that Becca is going to be acknowledged in some way, it helps bring a healing comfort to me in the midst of my pain to know that others miss her too, and they haven't forgotten her. And will there be tears? Probably. Do I care? Not really anymore, because these are tears of a love that's never going to be quenched until I'm with her again. And I don't care if people around me understand that or not anymore. Number five is to connect with others who are ahead of you on this rocky road of grief who get it and will walk with you in the darkness and be the light of hope that you need. When we see and know others who have faced the death of their child and not only survived but are somehow living a life of meaning and purpose again, it gives us hope that somehow it is possible. I know I have had so many parents tell me, well, that may be true for you, but I don't see it being true for me. And then a year or two later, I see them starting to do things that they never thought they would do again. Or I see them starting to kind of come back alive again and begin to start to enjoy life again. So it really is possible. For almost two years after Becca died, I didn't want to go anywhere, conferences or anything that were for grieving parents. I also didn't go to any grief support groups, but that was because I didn't know of any in my area. There just wasn't anything, at least that I knew of. I didn't want to be around a bunch of people, though, who were a mess like me, because I thought we would just sit around and be all morbid and cry about our kids, and I would leave feeling worse than when I arrived. But I found the exact opposite to be true. I discovered that it was wonderful and healing to be in a room full of people who were a mess like me because they got it. I didn't have to explain anything to anyone. I didn't have to feel guilty for laughing or for a few tears that fell at strange times. It was an instant bonding with people I had never met before. And I made lifelong friends at that first conference, especially that I went to, who are very dear and precious to me now. I will give you a word of caution, though. Make sure that you are connecting with parents who have lost a child who will acknowledge your grief, but also be a light of hope that you can and will get past the suffocating darkness. We all know our lives will never be the same. But some parents are stuck in that darkness, and they tell others behind them that they won't ever get out either. So keep looking until you find those to connect with who will give you the hope that you need. As I said at the very beginning, the people around you are not going to understand. I sure didn't know this depth of suffocating darkness even existed until Becca died. And I hope those around us never have to find out for themselves. Unfortunately, there may be some who just remain insensitive and continually pick at our wound of grief, and we might need to shut them out of our lives for our own emotional well-being. That's just a decision you're going to have to make, and not in anger or bitterness, but in just caring for yourself in a, in a way that will bring you peace. Almost every bereaved parent I have met 
has said that their circle of friends made a big shift because of lack of understanding and support when it was needed the most. And most people are really surprised by the ones that they thought were going to be there for them. And they just aren't. These people are going on living their lives. They don't check on us. They don't talk to us. And our heads are just spinning. We don't understand. Then another group comes along, and it's usually bereaved parents who get it, and they become our source of strength and our support, and our friendships grow and blossom. There's just a a shift that happens in a lot of parents who have lost their child. So don't be surprised if that happens to you. I hope these five suggestions will help you deal with those in your life who think grief is a short event in time instead of the lifelong process that it is. I want to go ahead and go on to our birthday segment now. We have four birthdays to announce today. First, Austin Lauderman was born on November 20th and is forever eight and a half. Jacinda Avina was born on November 22nd and is forever 18. Melissa Sulakowski Hill was born on November 23rd and is forever 38. And Skylar Spencer was also born on November 23rd and he is forever 24. We join in celebration with these families for the day that these children were brought into the world and into their lives. I would be honored to mention your child's birthday. To send in the information, just go to gpshope.org birthdays. There'll be a form. Just fill it out, submit it, and I'll let you know when I get it. There will also be a link in the show notes for this. I want to let you know about something I am so excited about. I have wanted to do this for, it's got to be at least four years, as I was writing my book, When Tragedy Strikes, Rebuilding Your Life with Hope and Healing After the Death of Your Child. I wanted to turn it into a course, and it has just never happened until now. The course is now open for registration. If you would like some more tools and have someone walk with you, guiding you to a place of hope and light and purpose, then be sure to check it out. There are three options that you can take for this course. There's a mini course that is free, and then there's a full course that's seven modules. There is a little cost to it because of all the time that I have put into it, but it's, you know, we're we're keeping it very reasonable for what you get And then the the third option is the full course, but it also includes eight weeks of just a very small group. I'm limiting it, and we'll get together once a week online, an online Zoom call. We can see each other face-to-face over the internet. You don't have to turn the camera on if you don't want. We can just, you know, we can just do it audio. But anyway, I'm taking a small group of people for eight weeks and I'll be coaching you and walking you through the course and talking to you on a weekly basis to see how things are going and and help you through, especially right now this holiday season. So if you are interested in checking out the When Tragedy Strikes Hope and Healing course, just go to gpshope.org slash WTS course, or you can click on the link 
in the show notes once again. And one last thing I want to share with you before we close this out. The Christmas season is coming up and it can be brutal. A few years ago, around Thanksgiving time, I was really struggling and I told God I needed to know that he really is Emmanuel, God with us. And I ended up writing out something each night for the Advent season and I got on live on Facebook to share it with anyone who wanted to join me. And I actually, our family did an Advent wreath for many years while the kids were growing up. And so I used that and lit candles every night. And what I did that year actually became a book that's titled Hope for the Future, an Advent Book for Bereaved Parents. And there's a reading for each day during Advent. And I still go on live on Facebook every Sunday evening through the Advent season to light the next candle and share the reading from the book for that day. So we can do that every week together. If you want to know more about the book or how to join me on Facebook, go to gpshope.org slash Advent book. Or you can go to the show notes on gpshope.org, go to the podcast show notes, and there will be a link to it there. Lots of links this week. Well, I pray that you see several blessings come your way this week. And remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.